Hey, we got a football game tonight. Yeah, who's it? Buckeyes and Northwestern, a rare Friday night game. Sorry about it, high school football coaches. Uh, Mr. Spielman, do you uh, like the fact that uh, we're playing under the lights tonight in Evanston? Uh, no, i kind of uh, been that Friday night, maybe because I grew up in Maslin. That was a big deal. That Friday night should be reserved for high school football. I don't care about college football on any other night of the week. I just think Friday night, for me, maybe I'm old-fashioned and sacred, so I actually wish they weren't playing on Friday night, but they are. Yeah. And that's on Fox, so good for good FS1. For yeah, well. There was a hue that. and cry about this when it happened. The uh, high school football coaches across Big Ten country put up uh, you know, protests, and I understand it. Um, how much of a hardship it will be on athletic departments with people staying home to watch the Buckeyes, I don't know. If this were... Let's say the game coming up in a week, Wisconsin-Ohio State, uh, number six and number th- uh, four. Yeah, that'd be and a problem. that's a big-time problem. That's a big-time problem. Yeah. Um, you know, and Northwestern is not as good as Northwestern typically can be, uh, but I'm sure there'll be people, if the weather's bad, there'll be people stay I'll stay in tonight and watch it on HD and let's watch the Buckeyes, and I'm sure yeah. it will impact. Again, Ryan Day was asked about this on Tuesday, and I kind of felt bad for him. I understand in his position, he has to answer these questions because he's a spokesman for the program. Sure. But it's none of his doing, and he basically said, look, when they, when they tell us to play and we where play. to play, we play. Stay in your lane. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's a company guy, tone the line. He's right. He's not saying he likes it or doesn't like it. He's just saying that, that's when we're told to play, we play. That's my job is to get him ready to play on Friday night against the undermanned, underwhelming Northwestern team. Is there anything short of injury that can happen in this game for Ohio State that could derail their momentum? No. I agree. I, I, I think I don't if you look it. bad, then it's like, okay, snap to attention because we got Wisconsin coming, and if you look good, all right, then you weathered the off week and everything's still clicking. So I, this game to me is, um, boy, it's just, I can't even think of an analogy, but it's just get it out of the way and let's get to the main course. Yeah. It's like parsley on the plate. Like, no, I don't need this. Like, get it out of here. I'm not eating that. Uh, give me the big steak. That's the Wisconsin Badgers. So, well, and that's that's probably going to be the preview of the Big Ten Championship game also, right? Don't you think? It'll be the first of two meetings. Iowa now has two losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I think I'm right on this. Are you, are you not worried about Penn State no. at all? No. Here's why. Um well, we're going to get into most dangerous teams to Ohio State, and I'll go through Penn State at that point in time. Uh, well, Wisconsin, if they lose to Ohio State, and then Iowa would beat Wisconsin, Iowa, and let's say Iowa would win out, Iowa and Wisconsin would each have two losses, and Iowa would have the head-to-head victory, so it would be Ohio State and Iowa in the Big Ten title game. Uh, Wisconsin, to me, looks like the class of the West, although I don't want to short-shrift the, short the chesty little boatman. <laughs> At Minnesota, they are undefeated. And you know what? Last year when they played at Ohio State, I remember making the admission to you on the zone, hey, they look like a pretty good team and a pretty well-coached team. They are a well-coached team. You can, you can mock him all you want, <laughs> Mr. Hooley. He, he, gets a, the boat. He, gets your, he gets the job done. Smedium coat. He gets it done. He does. He does. Trust disciple. There you go. Uh, okay. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm has, by all accounts, done a really good job at Northwestern. I was on a Northwestern site looking for information on the Wildcats, and there were some fans who didn't care for Pat being, um, uh, let's how we say, less than accommodating to the media uh, in his press conference. 
it got me to thinking, boy, if you want to get rid of Pat Fitzgerald, you need to take a look at Minnesota when they got rid of Glenn Mason and Indiana when they got rid of Bill Mallory. You need to look back at the great Francis Pay era at Northwestern because Northwestern is one of those programs to me, Chris, that every five years they're trying to gather themselves and be good. Yet how odd is it that they're in the same league as Ohio State, in the same league with the Big Ten Network, big paycheck yeah. and all that kind of stuff, yet the expectations among apparently like members is dramatically different. Well, I mean, I think because you look at Northwestern, right, in academic school, beautiful campus, really small school, small enrollment. Mm-hmm. Private school, only private, private school in the yeah. Big Ten. And, um, the standard for Northwestern, and I think what makes Northwestern alum happy is that if you can get to a bowl game and that every five or six years, right, you might luck into being contention at the end of the year for the Big Ten title. Yeah. Uh, but it takes time. You got He's got to recruit different players. He's got to recruit nationally. So his job, in a sense, is much more difficult than Ryan Day's job in that sense. But as far as pressure, certainly there's not even close not even. To the pressure at Northwestern to win as it is at Ohio State to win. Yeah, so I just think that's odd, and I, and I find it, when people talk about the differences between college and the NFL, that to me is the primary difference. If oh, you're yeah. at Alabama and you're at Mississippi State, you're in the same division of the same conference. You're not <laughs> in the same world. But in the NFL, all 32 are in the same world. As far as expectations yes, and standards. and resources, salary cap and draft picks. and you Are the you Bengals disagree? in that world? Well, the Bengals are in that world, but they just prefer to operate in their own little ma and pa world. <laughs> By the way, how funny was it that the Bengals are playing at Baltimore? Uh, I don't even know if you saw this because you're oh. working in Arizona. And uh, whoever was broadcasting the game, and I'm sorry if it was Fox, they showed a picture of an elderly gentleman in a suit in a skybox and ran the Chiron under him. Mike Brown. It wasn't Mike Brown. Ooh. It wasn't Mike Brown. And, you know, Bengal fans laughed at that because, you know, they look at Mike Brown as being the cause of all their problems. But I will say this to you, Bengal fans. It hasn't been that long ago that you were in the playoffs five consecutive years. 2015, right? Yeah, so, I mean, yes, I know it's tough now, and I will say that I think the Bengals are making the wrong decision, not trading away some of their veterans who could fetch them some picks. I don't know what kind of... Uh, pride, measure of pride you gain by holding on to A.J. Green and whoever else you it's might have. 31 years old. What are you going to get for him? I think somebody would give you a one for A.J. Green. No way. I do. No way. Okay. A 30, I, mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I love A.J. Green. Don't get me All wrong. desperate teams out there. He's injured? Well, I'm assuming he's coming back. He's not injured anymore. Okay. They're 0-6? what? 0-5? Yes. 0-6. 0-6. On their way to either Tua Valoa uh, or Justin Herbert. Katie. If they're smart enough to pick him. Or maybe Chase Young. Here's the word I got. I think, um, what's uh, the daughter's name? Katie. Katie Blackburn. Katie Blackburn. Yeah. I, I heard good business, things. Business lady. I've heard things, good things about Katie Blackburn yep. when she eventually takes over the team that maybe the Bengals will change their ways a little bit. One of the disappointing things about the Bengals, you look, look at Bengals history. They have a, a great history of great players. They do. Wouldn't you say? I mean, I think they Kenny do. Anderson, I mean, look, Isaac I, Curtis. I grew up in this parallel universe of uh, the Bengals coming into being during my lifetime when the Browns were the dominant team, and I'm right. a Browns fan. And the Bengals, while you may bemoan 
what you think is a tough history, Bengal fans. You've been to two, two Super Bowls. Yeah. I've been to none. So think of, of some of the great players, right? I mean, there were great players. Rumor, Kenny Anderson, Isaac Curtis, Paul uh, Robinson. What was uh, the uh, Riley Riley Scott or no or the DB? Um, Ken Riley. Ken Riley. Yeah, Ken Ken the Riley. Rattler. Ken Riley. From Florida A and M. Yes. Reggie Williams, linebacker. Yeah. Jim LeClaire. I think. LeClaire. Didn't Jim LeClaire play Tim linebacker Crumrine. for the Bengals? Yes. Bob Trumpy. Yeah. Chris Collinsworth. All these guys are great Bengal players, right? Yep. You would never know if you go to the stadium. All these stadiums have these cool things about the history of the Ring team. of Honor, Ring of Honor, yeah. or whatever. I think it's really cool. Bengals have none of that. It's like it looks like a prison yard, yeah, and the stadium's a, nice. Banner costs money, you know. But, but I, I just think there's things that they'll be able to do different. So we'll see. Hopefully, uh, they get it together, but uh, not anytime soon. Uh, all right, should Ohio State refuse to play on Friday night? I think Michigan refuses to play on Friday. Whatever. Night. You're a member of a conference. <laughs> Some people would say Michigan has been refusing to play on Saturday afternoon for a while. A butt bump. But yeah. uh, should they refuse? I, I don't think if you're in a league, you can refuse. I don't think you can play the power card. Ah, we're not doing that. Although, you know, when they make them play at night at Rutgers in a couple of weeks, <laughs> that's just going to be what a waste for Ohio State to even have to play Rutgers. Did you see Rutgers against Indiana? Five completions, yeah. one yard. I, I, Greg Schiano needs to go back and coach at Rutgers. Wow. It's really bad. It's really bad. And it's, it's, I was, uh, it's a school that, you know, I don't think it's impossible to win. Shiano won at Rutgers. They have great. And they were in the Big East, not right. in the okay. Big Ten right. East. They have. <laughs> little different. They, they do have great high school players out of New Jersey. Mm. It's a strong recruiting area. The problem is nobody goes to Rutgers. You're going to have to find the Pied Piper. Maybe yeah. maybe fifteen Pied Pipers to come to Rutgers and say they're gonna, like you know Dwayne Haskins was committed to Rutgers for a while. Ron wow. Dane is from New Jersey. Jabril Peppers is from you New Jersey. Oh, tons and tons of great players from New Jersey. Great players from New Jersey for yes. a long time. But can you keep them at home? I don't know. Uh, all right, Buckeyes are playing Northwestern. They'll be seven and zero. I have said and stick to this. I believe they will be twelve and zero at the end of the regular season. I believe they'll play Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. First on that rematch. Yes, I know it's cart ahead of the horse time. But what do you want me to break down the Northwestern secondary? I believe Wisconsin a second time is a much tougher knockout for three reasons. Number one, I have a lot of respect for Paul Christ as a play caller, and I think he learns a lot by playing against Ohio State one time. Same on the defensive side with Jim Leonard. Wisconsin's defense is pretty good. Four shutouts. They've Actually, Wisconsin's defense has scored more points than it's allowed. Yeah. They scored four defensive touchdowns and a safety, and they've given up just four touchdowns. It's really good. Okay, but he'll learn. You can't. You can't know the challenge of playing Ohio State. The speed, the varied talent that's out there. Uh, they'll learn from matchups. Maybe Victor's a tough matchup for him. Maybe Garrett Wilson. Maybe Olave. Whatever. They're going to learn. And then the other thing is Jack Cohn, their quarterback, will have a whole season's worth of games under him, and he'll be playing Ohio State in a neutral site. So Wisconsin is a much tougher out a second time than they are a first time. I'm not saying Ohio State can't beat them. I'm just saying they'll be it'll be a closer game the second time. The problem that they have is that Ohio State is unique in this area, that they can beat you at any time from anywhere in the field, from any position, from tight end to receiver to running back to quarterback. Yep. So that's really how do you defend that? That's the challenge. And that, they can beat you with a called play or they can beat you with an improvisational yeah, that, play. That's, that's a challenge that every – 
defensive coordinator has. And so Wisconsin's defense hasn't seen that. Now, once they see it once, does that mean they're going to be able to stop it a second time? I I just don't see it happening because I think athletically, even though their defense is much more athletic than anybody else's in the Big Ten and playing at a, such a high level, they have not seen anybody like Ohio State. And Ohio State, the other thing is you can, like Michigan State, oh, Michigan State's played them really well in this first quarter, man. They're flying around. Yeah. And all of a sudden you blink and they score 24 in the second quarter. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what Ohio State is. The only thing I could say for Wisconsin defensively against Ohio State in a second go-round would be perhaps the first time you try some things because you believe you can do them, and then the first time you find out you cannot do them. So you don't put yourself in a situation later on. I, I, don't, I just think Wisconsin's going to do what Ohio State tries to do defensively. They're gonna, Ohio State's going to try to make Wisconsin score on a 12-play drive, and Wisconsin's going to try to do the same to Ohio State, make them score on a 12-play drive. The difference is, if you're asking me which team is more capable of somebody missing a tackle and a 12-yard pass turning into a 60-yard pass, Ohio State will do that to you a lot more often than Wisconsin will. Yeah, well, I just think that the, you know, you can really uh, force Cone to beat you. Yeah, and you can have a defense that's designed to take away Jonathan Taylor. Now, I say designed because one of the things the difference to me that makes the difference between an, an average back in a great back, even a good back and a great back, that a great back will make that on-block player or somebody in the hole miss eight out of ten times. And Jonathan Taylor has that ability to make that on-block player or that free player in the hole miss. And all of a sudden you think you have him for a five-yard gain and he's in the end zone dancing for an 80-yard touchdown run. Jonathan Taylor, the second leading rusher in the Big Ten behind J.K. Dobbins? Uh, yes, okay. I do. Just checking. Okay. By the way, our guy, Master Teague, yeah. is sixth in the Big Ten in rushing. Master Teague has more rushing yards than the leading rusher at Michigan, Iowa, and Penn State. Three ranked teams. Yeah, that's not surprising. Boy, Ohio State's loaded, man. <laughs> okay, so that's my Wisconsin look okay. in terms of most dangerous teams to Ohio State. Let's stick in the Big Ten, Penn State. I'm not even going to deal with Michigan because... Have you watched them play? Ten points against Iowa, and then they gave up 25 in a row. Illinois almost came back against Michigan. Yes, yes. Made it a four-quarter game. So Penn State, they're undefeated. They play Michigan this weekend. They're going to beat Michigan at home. Penn State, the reason I don't think Penn State is as dangerous as Wisconsin either time the Buckeyes will play Wisconsin is because I don't believe Sean Clifford, their quarterback, an Ohio kid, is good enough to beat Ohio State in Ohio Stadium. And I certainly don't believe their secondary is good enough to hold up. Now, they had a beast in the middle of their defense against Iowa, number 54. I'm sorry, I don't know the young man's name. They have Gross Matos at linebacker. They have really good people in their front seven defensively. Their corners and their safeties aren't very good, and that will prove to be their undoing against Ohio State. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to the rematch against Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. Then I'm looking forward – to the playoff. And I saw a team this week that athletically is as gifted as uh, Ohio State. I saw... So this is your number one most dangerous team to Ohio State? Just making yeah, sure? Yeah, I, okay. I, this is Alabama, to me, is the team to beat right now. I'm not saying I put them on equal ground with Ohio State as far as talent. Okay. Here's, here's the one that takes it over the top for me. And this is not saying one guy's better than the other, but Tua Tunga Viola. If I'm if I'm an NFL team, and I can see why the Dolphins are tanking, because I think he's that good. 
I think he is is going to be such a difference maker. He's going to be the Kyler Murray, a guy that you can build a franchise around, okay. a guy that is accurate with the football, can run the football, sees the field, normally makes good reads. He threw one interception last week, which was a, a safety step a in front of him. It was a bad he got baited into it. But that was the only one of the Okay, year. so you say he can run the ball. I haven't seen him run the ball. Watch him, you don't watch him scramble oh, around? He can move in the pocket. Okay. Well, I, I think he can run the ball as well. I think he can do damage with his feet. Now, I think he's that good. I really think what he's... Do you, what do you see that he does that really impresses you? Uh, first of all, he knows where to go with the football. He has great accuracy with the football. Very he accurate can, on a slant. Here, here, you wanna, here's, here's my... Here's, here's, this is the thing that I have for quarterbacks. We did this on our broadcast. There's, there's four things that I have. Let me see if I can remember. Are you accurate off balance? In the NFL, as a quarterback, you have to be accurate off balance to be really, really good. Mm-hmm. Okay, the other thing is decision-making. Do you make good decisions? Do you make non-emotional decisions? Do you know when to dump it? Do you know when to throw it away? Do you know when to uh, put one out of bounds to take a sack, to eliminate negative plays? Mm-hmm. I think he does that. Does he galvanize people? Is he the type of player that gives his teammates hope from that position? Yes, he is. And I think he'll be that at the next level. And there was one other one, and I actually forget what it is. But those are the oh, – oh, there's poise and toughness. And I think he has that defined by your, your – uh, he's intelligent and all that stuff. But those are the four things. And the number one physical attribute is to be accurate off balance – because you look at Aaron Rodgers. Is he accurate off balance? Matt mm-hmm. Stafford's accurate off balance. Kyler Murray's accurate off balance. Drew Brees off his back foot fading away. Accurate off balance. All the great ones are able to do that. And, and Tunga Viola is that guy. I love the guy. I think he is the best quarterback in college football right now. Right There's now. no questions asked in, in me. Good point of the season. Do you, what do you think? I think we want to. Are thank, you going to argue with that? I think we want to thank West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating okay. for sponsoring the podcast. And then I'm thinking I'm going to get back to your point and my team that I think is most dangerous to Ohio State, West Jeff Plumbing and Heating, servicing all of Central Ohio. So if you're in Gahanna and you say West Jefferson's a long way away, well, it's not too far away for West Jeff Plumbing and West of Springfield. Make sure West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating is your answer to any heating and cooling needs with their Lennox high efficiency products, and they'll give you up to hundreds off. The installation of a new furnace, whether you need to replace your furnace or whether you're building a home. Congrats if you are. Let West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating handle all the plumbing, all the heating, and the cooling. Find them online, westjeffplumbingandheating.com, westjeffplumbingandheating.com, or call them on the phone, 614-879-9606, 614-879-9606. Can I read a review? We want you to review our podcasts. Uh, here is one from Jeremy. He says, I'm so pumped to see Spielman and Hooley reunited in this format. Even better now, they can be themselves and share their faith. Always entertaining. I'll be listening to this every week. Thank you, Jeremy. Go to pleasereviewmypodcast.com backslash Spielman and Hooley to leave us a review. Uh, I think we've gotten all five stars except one four and one three. The guy who said that I was, uh, well, he wasn't a fan of mine, but that's okay. We got a three star? Got a three star. What? <laughs> What? He gave you three stars. He gave me zero. What? Maybe he gave you four and me negative one. Why did? Why did? Why is he not a fan of you? Um, what doesn't he like? I think he said I'm a MAGA troll. Well, that's your Twitter. That's different that's from the podcast. <laughs> you are a troll. <laughs> 
Yes. But, but at times no. I can be. No, you're to my I'm, detriment. No, it's not to your detriment. You're exercising your right to my free speech. Free speech, and you're exercising your right to your opinion. I, I enjoy your tweets. I enjoy how you challenge Good. people. I'm glad. I'm glad you do. All right, speaking of challenging people, yeah, Ohio State and the team that I deem most dangerous to the Buckeyes is the reigning national champion Clemson Tigers. No. Because I watched him Saturday. Oh, boy. Trevor Lawrence is playing better. Played one game Man, better. Man, is his arm something else. That dude can throw a fastball. Wow. Big, tall, rangy receivers. And a running back, Travis Etienne, the likes of which Alabama does not have. I also think Clemson can really get after you defensively. Their defense is every bit as good, if not better, than Alabama's. And so I have Clemson, number one most dangerous team. Sorry. And Dabo can get it done, and he's 2-0 and against Ohio State. So there you go. That's my reason for Clemson. Take uh, your Miami. You got Trevor Lawrence or Tua Tungabaila. Who you take? I'm taking Trevor Lawrence. Oh, my God. I, You know, it's funny. You watch Tua, and I watched him, too. Here's the thing. I actually think Tua would be frazzled against Ohio State's pass rush. Here's the thing. It's it's going back to like guys and their taste in women. Yeah. What type do you like? What type do you like? I like I, a big, strong, strapping, I like rifle arm Trevor I, Lawrence. I, and he can run. He can actually run. They run him, so I think he's a problem. Yeah, for I like Russell Wilson slash Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, those guys. That's the type that I like. Now and, you're really going to be upset because would you like to know my number two most dangerous team to Ohio? Yeah, LSU. The Oklahoma Sooners. I like that quarterback. Jalen Hurts. Because of Jalen Hurts, because of Lincoln Riley, having a month to prepare for Ohio State, and we all know what he did with Baker Mayfield in Ohio Stadium, and because Alex Grinch at least knows Ryan Day a little from being here last year. I don't think they have great defensive personnel. No, it's Big 12. But when you can sack a quarterback nine times, that's the number one thing you have Mm -hmm. to do defensively is affect the quarterback. Had they not sacked... Uh, Sam Ellinger nine times, I wouldn't have them number two on the list. But, boy, their receivers are playmakers in the open field. Yeah, they're good. Jalen Hurts is a problem on you know running the football, either a broken play or a design play. So I have Oklahoma two and I have Alabama three. I don't watch as much college football as you do, but I did happen to flick on that game a little bit on Saturday. Mm-hmm. The one play where he's under duress and he – and he goes behind his back with the football yeah. to clear it. That's just a superb play. Yeah. I really like him. And I, how could you not feel good for the kid, right? You have to. Because Tua to. Tunga Viola rightfully beat him out. Yep. He's no Tua. Let's get that straight no, off. He's not. <laughs> that's your Can type. you tell Tua my dude, my man crush now? Oh, Jalen's my type too. Yeah, that's true. He is. So. But uh, well, he's a little I, big to be your type because you like those little wide. Yeah, but he can run. Guys. I like guys that can run because I just know as a defender when I played, I hated it. I hated playing against Steve Young. And I actually forgot how good Steve Young really was. Not not Tampa Bay or LA Express Steve Young, San Francisco 49er Steve mm-hmm, Young. Mm-hmm. He was really a tremendous, man. He might have been the best I've ever it played against. Took him a while to figure it out. Yeah. But he I, I'm gonna say he's the best that I played against. Because every time I think better of, than Aikman. Uh, just because I say somebody is really, really good yeah, or the best doesn't take away or diminish the greatness just of Troy he was Aikman. The best. If he's the best, then he's better than. No, he's not better than. He's okay. the best that, I, my opinion, he was the best that he played against. Doesn't mean he was better than Aikman. I'm just telling you that as a defender, it goes back to my type and what I mm-hmm. like. 
I hated playing against him, which means, obviously, that I love the guy. Okay, uh, there's a lot of chatter coming from Georgia people that, boy, Kirby Smart, you picked the wrong quarterback. How did you let Justin Fields get away? <laughs> they were booing Justin were booing. last year. Right? So here's my question. Ohio State fans don't seem to have any regret that Joe Burrow is lighting it up at LSU. They're cheering for Joe Burrow. They are cheering for Joe Burrow, and I don't hear anybody saying, oh, now if Justin Fields loses a game and he's plays less than fantastic, <laughs> yeah, then it'll be true. like, oh, look at this. We let this guy get away. Uh, there's levels to this Joe Burrow thing. Number one, I mean, I'm getting to the point. I've just sort of been ignoring them because I don't believe they're going to beat Alabama. Now they have to play in Tuscaloosa. But their offense, man, nobody's stopping it. Florida was a really good defense. I have LSU fourth on my list of most dangerous teams to Ohio State. But I believe Ohio State— Alabama third? Third. Okay. I believe Ohio State would win a game against LSU for two reasons. I think that's a lot— to put in the mind of Joe Burrow playing against Ooh, the think, school he left. Wow, I think that benefits Joe Burrow. Really? Just the type of kid he is and the competitor that he is. I think he shines against Ohio State. Well, and then the other reason. Go Tigers. In a battle of wits. That's my Ed Orgeron. In a battle of wits, coaching wits, there aren't many that I would favor Coach O in. So I'll just say it that way. And like Ryan Day. Uh, welcome to Death Valley. Your uh, opponents come to die. Don't eat gravel, kids. <laughs> that, terrible that, things I, I, I just can't get over that. And why I he do He was that, a lot more Cajun in I LSU will, than he ever I, was at I, USC. <laughs> <laughs> That's at USC. my whole thing. I don't, I don't remember him having a Cajun up, accent. That's yeah. it. What's up, dude? Yeah. He goes to LSU, man. Wow. Now, the thought has been that Georgia eliminated itself from the college football playoff by losing at home to South Carolina. I don't it's think so. It's not even close. If they win out, yeah. look at their resume. They'll have beaten Florida. They'll have beaten Notre Dame. They'll have beaten either Alabama or LSU. A 12-1 and Georgia is not getting left out of the playoff. Oh, and they, yeah, they have to win the, and they win the SEC win championship. Win the SEC championship. Well, they put pressure on themselves, but yeah. What, yeah. About, what about a one-loss Ohio State team? Uh, that's a very interesting conversation. Uh, if the one loss is... October the 26th, yes, they're in. If the one loss is in the Big Ten title game, no, I don't think – has anybody ever lost – I'd have to check with Bama. My guess is to say yes, Bama, yeah. Bama has lost a lost its last game and gotten in. Now, in the BCS era, LSU lost to Arkansas in the final regular season game, but I believe they then won the SEC title game. Yeah. And they got – they got – they got into the BCS well, we title know, game with two losses. We know that the committee doesn't uh, <clears throat> consider conference championships anymore. Well, look, based I off mean, look at year. look at it this way: if Wisconsin loses at Ohio State on the twenty sixth of October and then beats Ohio State on a neutral field, and Wisconsin is twelve and one, how could they pick Ohio State over? Wisconsin? Eyeball test. That's what they wanted. Okay, I'm just saying that would be uh, that's a tough, how they could do it. Argument. I think that'd be awful. Oh my goodness, would that be something? Yeah. Wow. So those are the teams that are dangerous. So Ohio State is going to be a playoff team. I have no doubt at all about that. Uh, they will win easily tonight against Northwestern, and next week uh, will it be their closest game? Will they beat Wisconsin by more than 24? I would say no. I was just want to ask you a question. Just thinking about from this time last year to. This time this year. Same record, right, this time last year? Same record. What is the difference of the feeling that you have about this Ohio State team from this year? Well, we were all in year? on Dwayne Haskins last year, and you were first on Dwayne Haskins right after his performance in the spring game. But at this time a year ago, 
they had a bothersome tendency to let vastly inferior teams hang around. The Nebraska yeah. game, 36 to 31. Um, Maryland. Well, Maryland hadn't happened yet, but we were entering a period here. I think it was in games seven and eight where they went eight straight trips in the red zone without scoring a touchdown against right. Purdue and Minnesota. This team in the red zone, you always talk about the importance of the red zone mm-hmm. in the NFL. This team in a red zone scoring touchdowns is 80%. That team was 61%. Yeah, isn't that amazing? That's a huge difference. And to me, it's no more complex than you have a quarterback who not only can run, and Haskins to that point in the season had not run, but you can put Justin Fields under center down inside the 10-yard line, and your tailbacks have a much better chance of scoring because they're running downhill. Here's my two biggest reasons why I have so much more confidence in this year's team as opposed to last year's team. I think the play of the offensive line has been off the charts. And the defense, is it's a totally different defense. When I watch this defense, I see an Ohio State defense. At times when I watched Ohio State's defense last year, I had no idea what I was watching. With the, with the guys going for the guy from Oregon State going for eighty yards in the opener, right. I said, "Uh oh!" And another big long run against yeah. him. So yeah, their defense is uh, lights out. Now, uh, some people are wondering if uh, Michigan State will turn the lights out on Mark D'Antonio. His offense at Wisconsin on Saturday had run twelve plays at a point in the game where Wisconsin had thirteen first downs. He did not do anything to fix his offense in the offseason. He is 15 and 16 in his last 31 games. He is the all-time winningest coach at Michigan State. He may win at Michigan in a couple of weeks. Probably get to a bowl game, maybe win his bowl game, but it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility to see Mark D'Antonio walk off into the sunset. So I Really? Him, where, where do you get that well, information? Like, is that just your opinion? He, no. He has to testify in a deposition about a former player who was involved in a, an alleged sexual assault. Uh, it may not be alleged. It may have been proven in court. I'm just saying alleged to protect myself. Um, and it, he didn't want to do the deposition. So the thought is among MSU people is that, you know, he may be just at the period of time where he goes, you know what, I don't want to have to go back and answer questions about that, so I'll just retire. So the question at hand Ooh. is, Luke Fickle's got it rolling at Cincinnati, man. They put a thumping on Houston. They get the big win over UCF at home. Bearcats may not lose another game until they get to a bowl game. Would Luke Fickle take the Michigan State job? Well, let's say it this way. Do you think Luke Fickle should take the Michigan State job? Is that the kind of job that you think um, is too good for Luke to turn down if it were offered? Yes. Plus, Michigan State would be interested because that's the same route that uh, Mark D'Antonio took. Came from UC up to Michigan State. And Luke would have worked with Dino at yeah. Ohio State. So I think it, it would make sense. I think that we talk about fits with coaches all the time, mm-hmm. right? I think uh, Luke would be a, a great fit at Michigan State. I think that's an attractive job for Luke. But once again, I go back to the theory. I can't get in Luke's mind, right? Mm-hmm. But I remember having a conversation with Tom Herman. And Tom Herman was at the University of Houston. And, and they were paying him well. Not as not as much as he's making at Texas, obviously, but they were paying him well where you can be certainly comfortable uh, for the rest of your life. And what was the standard in Houston? To compete in the 
All-American or the American Athletic Conference yeah. every single year. Be that team that's right there on be the be the yeah. Boise State. Be the now. be the cute you know, be little the, guy, the little engine the, they could. The one bone they throw <laughs> yeah, the non-powerful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I have the bone? But yeah, but you know, and and so that there's nothing wrong with that life. No, no, there's nothing wrong with that life. Money's but, good, but, pressure's diminished. But I mean, you know, but but why take a job at uh, a power five school uh, conference when you're at Houston and you can win. Well, when you're it's a Texas well. job, you take it because you can oh, win it. Well, all. that's a Texas job. Yeah, that's the difference. Now, so, Michigan State, you're in the same division with Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. But Sparty has played in one Big Ten title game yeah. in that division. But, you say, wait, they played in two because they beat it. Yeah, well, they were not in Ohio State's division the first year. They were in the. Uh, Venerable legends and leaders. Yeah, I don't. I still don't know who was in who in that. Yeah, I don't know. Either. But I, I do think with Michigan State though, when you saw, well, you're in the same division. Like, I look at the East now and I say, well, Michigan is in the same division as Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State, because Michigan State is one of those teams. I've always had great respect for Michigan State, and I've always had a little bit of a. Uh, uh, I, although I didn't visit when I was college, I've always liked Michigan State because in 1979, my dad was a high school football coach, and we were asked, he was asked to go up and work the Michigan State camp, and I went up and participated in that camp. Got most viable defender. Nice. Um, but, <laughs> nice. Not that that was important, or I remember that, but I remember um all of a sudden liking Michigan State and always kind of followed them since. And you look at the history of Michigan State, great players, man. I mean, really, really good players. Yes, indeed. And I think the personality of Michigan State is an exact fit for who Luke, Luke Fickle is, in my opinion. I think that would be a great fit. Now, if Luke were to call me and say, hey, what do you think about the Illinois job? I'd run. Wouldn't have anything to do with that Illinois job. Yeah, every coach they hire can't be an idiot. Nobody wins there. It's got to be a reason why. Mike White won there. Yes, he did. did I don't he? think Luke would win that way. Why did? <laughs> I don't think Luke. Why did wants Mike to, White win? Luke, Illinois Luke wants to dole out barrels and barrels of cash. <laughs> That's frowned upon. Earl wasn't a big NCAA. fan. No, he was. Not. Earl was not a big fan Earl's of Mike White. Fan. No, he was not. Um, but the Illinois jobs in the West. And the West is a much friendlier place to be than the East. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, I I think <laughs> would PJ Fleck leave Minnesota for Michigan State? No. You don't think no. he'd leave Minnesota for Michigan State? No, because I think he's got to go on because he's in the West. Where's PJ Fleck's dream job? It's not Minnesota. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, what maybe happened here? He's waiting for Ryan Day to go to the maybe. NFL. What about, I'll tell you this, PJ. They're not letting you put an you, or on the Ohio State helmet. What, what okay? about? What they're just about, not. Don't what, bring that nonsense here. I know the Olentangy's right outside the stadium, but if you're going to come to Ohio well, State, don't be bringing that or with you. Ohio State has a a somewhat, what's well, not new anymore, but an up-to-date boathouse. He'd be right at home in that boathouse, $5 million <laughs> boathouse. He'd love that. He'd probably put his office in that boathouse right out there in UA. Well, staring across the river the, at the for, Golden Bear for, Lock Shop for the, the subway. For the listeners new to 
Spielman and Hooley. Yeah. Let them know a little bit of backstory. Oh, about we have a long history of lampooning the expenditure of $5 million <laughs> on a boathouse for the for crew the team. team. Oh, crew for team. the crew yeah. team because the reason given was that they needed a place to store their boats <laughs> because they couldn't keep their boats outside in the elements. And we were like, don't you put those boats in the water? <laughs> Hence, the rain shouldn't really do too much damage to them. I, I don't know. It, anyway. I just know we got sideways with an assistant athletic director at Ohio State over that, and we remain sideways yes. with her to this day. Well, that's so. P.J. Fleck would be the perfect fit for Ohio State. The sure. offices would be in the boathouse. In the boathouse, right there in UA. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, or you can put it down by the Towers dorms. Sure, right, right by, there in Drake Union. Right, <laughs> Drake Union, right on the right river. there, right on the right on the river. <laughs> Although I don't know if you can get a skull in everybody that river. Would that have, river looks a little little uh, suspects. Everybody would would the uh, Ohio State football team would have to row their boats down to the Woody Hayes every row it right down there. Well, to the I mean, Fawcett that's Center, right there to the that's Fawcett perfect. Center. Get out, walk across the street. <laughs> that's perfect. It is dude. perfect. What are you talking right. about? I said Urban would succeed Ryan Day. Maybe I need to think that PJ. Did you see PJ Fleck at? Urban's one of the few guys that can go and makes a fit at Florida, Florida State, Penn State, UC, USC, UCLA. Urban fits everywhere. Where every place wants to win. Would P.J. Fleck fit out at USC or UCLA? Oh, I could see him chasing that with every little bone in his body. <laughs> he's not a little dude. No, but he just co- well, he's not a little dude. He's his a good co- dude. I don't, I don't know. Very tight. He's he's a little guy. I mean, he's. He's a good guy. I don't know why I you... I just think my description of him, the chesty little boatman, is spot on. Okay. All right. All right. Now, you said on Wednesday you had a question for me, sir, and then you previewed the question, so you've given me a little bit of time to think about it. Would you like to rephrase or restate? Do you believe in angels, or in, more specifically, uh, guardian angel? Do you believe in a guardian angel? Um... Yes, I do believe in a guardian angel. I most certainly believe in angels mm-hmm. because they're, they're in the Bible, yeah. and I believe everything in the Bible. A guardian angel, I don't know. I just hearken to the book of Daniel where uh, the angel, I believe it was uh, Gabriel. Archangel Gabriel, yes. Uh, said that uh, Daniel had prayed, and the angel said, look, you know, I was held up. I was trying to get here, uh, and I could not because the forces of evil were working against me, which is, you know, uh, very... Powerful because you you realize if you're the archangel and the forces of evil are holding you up, the forces of evil are very powerful. But he was charged with responding to Daniel. So I don't know if you have the same guardian angel all the time, uh, but I do believe angels are in among our midst and are, yes, at times protecting us when Um, we need it. Here you go. I've, uh, in Book of Psalms 91.10, says he will he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. So that's just to support one of the many references in the Bible about angels. Let me tell you why I believe in guardian angels because I've had an experience when I was 6 years old. We lived in Canton, Ohio in a very modest home, a bungalow. My brother and I shared a room. Mm-hmm. And the folks across the street uh had about 7 or 8 kids. And they were older, much older. One was 20 years old and really nice. Like he always paid attention to me, a little six-year-old, right? He got a motorcycle. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever, you know? A guy that I looked up to, right? And he got a motorcycle. 
So he brings the motorcycle to his house and he lived right across the street. So my parents and, and Rick and I walked over there and I just kept looking at this motorcycle. And I said, can you take me for a ride? And my mom, absolutely not. You know, and being like a six-year-old, mm -hmm. you know, I was begging and pleading. And my dad said, well, honey, let him, you know, just maybe go down the street. And we lived on a dead-end street, 36th Street Northwest, right off of Cleveland Avenue in Canton, Ohio. So he takes me down the street. We turn right on Cleveland Avenue. So we're already breaking the rules. Mm -hmm. I, you know, talked my way in to have him take me out on the main road. Do you have a helmet on? Um, no. Okay. So we get to uh, a, a red light, and it didn't have the bar in the back. The motorcycle. And, yeah, and I thought I was the coolest kid in the world, right? I'm sitting on the back of a motorcycle. And um, the light turns green, but when it was a red light, I was looking around. I wasn't paying attention because I was just so, you know, look at me. I'm on yeah. a bike, right? The green light comes on. He hits the gas. And I start feeling myself falling off of the back of the bike. Then to this day, and I just remembered this because I read that verse this morning, to this day, I felt two hands shove me back up next to him and, and wrap my arms around his waist. And we went back home. And I never forgot that. And I see it. I, I, I think about it at least once a month. Or anytime I hear the word angel, that pops into my mind. And it's so clear and vivid to me. And even I can still feel the hands pushing me back up to this day where there's nothing uh, in, in the world of physics that should have kept me on that bike. And it was a busy street. I mean, for Canton, Ohio, Cleveland Avenue, mm -hmm. there were cars and and like soon as they, I would have been run over a car because there was a car right behind us. And I just know, or I would have slammed my head on the concrete, but I'll never forget it. And wow. that's why I believe in, in angels and, and I believe in guardian angels because I've, I've experienced that. That's a powerful story. Yeah. Very powerful. It's pretty story. cool, actually. Very cool know? story. No doubt. Uh, we have an email from William. You can email the show, Hooli, Spielman Hooley podcast at gmail.com. William said, I heard Chris the other day mention that he sends out a daily Bible verse via email. Uh, how do I get on that list? Thanks. Great show. I think you said you text it. I te uh, yeah, I text it. Yeah. Okay. Well, just listen I'll to, tell our, you what, we'll listen put to it, our podcast. We'll, we'll put, put it in the newsletter yeah, every that's a good week. Idea. Uh, because everybody who goes to uh, com and signs up for the newsletter, you'll get an email every Monday or Tuesday that'll have Chris's NFL game coming up. It'll have uh, the subjects of our podcasts on uh, Monday and Wednesday, uh, uh, Wednesday and Friday, rather. Uh, it'll have a faith corner. Uh, it'll have a link to one of our advertisers and anything else that uh, we think you'll be interested in. So go to SpielmanandHooley.com, sign up for the Insider Newsletter. You can find the podcast there. You can find them on iTunes. You can find them anywhere. So here, and I'll give you a bonus one today, and this was sent out on... What's today? Friday? Friday. This uh, this was sent out on Monday. Uh, God has even promised, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. That's Hebrews 8.12. So never feel that you have done something that God will not forgive. Uh, but I do believe you have to confess. You have to acknowledge 
before God. Yeah. If we and change your behavior, and, that's and, repentance. Yeah. Repentance and, is not just being sorry; it's changing your behavior. But just that's what I want to encourage people today, Bruce. <clears throat> is that I hear so many times, and I've been guilty of it myself. Right, a person, a man of of a belief and a non wavering faith, but feeling so awful about decisions that I've made or things that I've done or a sin that I may have committed that God could never forgive me. I mean, I'm worthless and useless, right? So we all know that that's a, I think, spiritual warfare. The latter part of that is a, is definitely a lie from above that you right. can't, or from uh, below that you can't be forgiven right. for anything because you can be forgiven for anything. I do think it's productive to have serious regret over your sin because it's completely incompatible with the Holy Spirit inside you. I think it I, needs to drive yeah. you, your regret. The doubt I'm talking about that doubt God is will not, forgive is, you. The doubt is not of God. And even though that doesn't, it goes against everything biblically that it says, it's still something very real that we fight as human beings in, in our weakness. Yeah, because our human tendency is not to feel that way towards someone else. The way God forgives, the way God loves is completely foreign to us. His nature is love. Yeah. The very essence of God is love. Everything from him radiates love. He sent his son to die for us. Yeah. We spit on his son, <laughs> hung a crown of thorns on yeah. his head, drove nails in his hands. So only a God who everything from his essence emanates love could do that. Our essence, our nature is a sinful nature, that, a rebellious or, nature. Or, or, or revenge or whatever yeah. it is yeah. that we try to do. So yeah, so I just want to encourage you that yes, you know, you you can be forgiven and and that's the whole point. If if you can't, then this whole Christianity thing was a lie. It's like Paul re- writes: if uh, you know, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then your faith is worthless. Well, and he Paul, did. but Paul also addresses that very feeling where he says, "I hate the things that I do." Yeah, because wretched Paul, man you know, that I am. Yeah, he's still he's a sinful dude, and and Paul is basically. The messenger to the Gentiles. I mean, he wrote all the letters. Definitely. So, Definitely. most of the letters. Yeah. 14, I believe. There you go. Depending on whether you believe Hebrews was written by Paul or not. I thought Peter wrote. Uh, it's Hebrews is written in a totally different style, so I would tend to say that it's... But Paul had probably, people write for him because... Yes, and then at the end, he would write it in his own hand, which apparently yeah. was very distinctive. Yes. Like yours. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, he's headed, a writer like you. You and Paul are on the same level. You're headed to Detroit. I am. Detroit City for the Vikings and the Lions. Would you uh, you know where you're going next week? Chicago. Chicago. Which I thought was going to be a good game with, with the Chargers who are laying an egg. How many teams in the NFL right now are laying eggs in the chicken coop? Kansas City, Dallas, yeah. Cleveland. San Diego. It's every week, right? It'll oh, be. It'll be. Those four. are those are more than one week. Yeah, there. Those, those are two are weeks. A couple weeks. Those are yeah. two weeks. Two week ones. The Chargers, Chiefs, and Cowboys. Cowboys. Yeah. Browns. Yeah. We'll see. It's a long season, though. I mean, in next two weeks, season. it could be a whole new five up there. Yes, it is. And look at the Chiefs. They got it straightened out. Well, look at the Vikings. They're ready to run everybody out of town. That's right. They got it figured out. All right, Buckeyes tonight against Northwestern. I'll have a post game podcast. You want to join tonight, or you uh, don't know your schedule yet? Uh, I will not be able to okay, join very tonight. good. Well, I'll have a post-game podcast tonight, Northwestern Ohio State. Then enjoy your college football weekend. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you again on Monday, except I'll talk to you again on Friday night, tonight. See you then.